Hello everybody, my name is Hao. I am your occupational therapist. And with me today is uh, a colleague of mine. Her, her name is Wang. And she is an occupational therapist as well. So this is an interesting conversation because today we are going to explore occupational therapy cover in a major trauma service. Okay. In pediatric. So pediatric major trauma service. Um, there's no major trauma service yet in the region where I am working and we are working. And so now we're really exploring it. There is a need to have a uh, an occupational therapy in the area. But then uh, the question is, where do we go and what do we do? It's a big question, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. And uh, Wang, tell me, uh, you know, your what's what's your uh, what are your challenges at the moment? Well, I've been approached to uh, provide my input in this business case. So okay. we're trying to to um, promote occupational therapy and include occupational therapy in the business case mm -hmm. for the major trauma. Because at at the moment we don't have a ring fence time for pediatric OT in major trauma. Okay. There's only one OT that That's covers yourself? the whole ward. Uh -huh. Yeah. All of the children's wards across all specialties. And what happens is once there is a major trauma pediatric case, they get referred to the occupational therapy team. Well, there's just one person. So yeah, it's, which is uh, yourself. Yeah. And that gets triaged and prioritized but again it depends on the availability and the capacity of the ot okay um the challenges i face it are um one is timely response because uh -huh. once we get a referral i don't really get to see them on time well it depends if i'm around and and, and i have the capacity to do it quickly then i will but if I'm not around like I'm on annual leave or I'm on sick leave or I'm cross-covering or doing others, other parts of my role, then the child don't get seen straight mm. away. Um, so the job that OT is supposed to be doing are divided up to the physios, speech and language, nurses. We kind of lose our role there. Wow. Which is it is sad, isn't it? Sad. And it's almost sad. Yeah. Because you're an occupational therapist and you know what you need to do. But then, because you're not there, the responsibilities are now being taken over by the other multidisciplinary team members, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. So we get divided up to the physio, to the speech and language, to the nurses. And then when you come over, it almost feels like you are just there to, uh, to provide equipment yeah. because they've identified the concerns already. Exactly. And I don't like to be identified as just the equipment provider because we're not, it's not the role of, it's not just our role. There's so much to it that's missing. And basically we are needed from the very beginning. Exactly. Mm, from the very start, when you see, when the patient's in, you need to be there and do your assessment. And it has, We. Ha I have two cases that... Um, I'm comparing at the moment. So uh -huh. once when there wasn't there wasn't an OT at all uh -huh. to cover, and then the seconds when I came in and there is now partly an OT okay. in the, in the service. So, 
and then the team recognized that actually they see the difference of having an OT and not having an OT in, and they were they were telling me that there's a big impact on the time length of stay on the dis- safe discharge planning mm-hmm. and so now they have approached me to um, put in a business put in case a business case for occupational therapy to be included in the major, in the trauma. major trauma so there is there's going to be a ring fence time for OT and that's a big again another big challenge for me because I am not I am there clinically. Uh-huh. I'm not supposed to be doing this. My job role doesn't include it... serve this kind of service because I feel like this is beyond me. But who's going to do it? I feel you. I really feel you. Okay, this becomes, uh, ladies and gents, uh, listeners, it becomes more of a uh, OT counseling <laughs> <laughs> between, uh, between two colleagues. And uh, so uh, let me just do a recap. Our first objective here and the first reason for this uh, 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 conversation, OT conversation, is about occupational therapy in a major trauma. But then, you know, on the starting point and, you know, the way I hear you and how I hear you is that there are bigger problems here and that there is so much demand on from an occupational therapist for occupational therapy service, but and you are just the only person in the unit that has to cover multiple areas. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, okay, we'll set that aside for the time being. You know the the multiple and all the other areas. Let's just explore what we can be doing uh, uh, from an occupational therapist or uh, from an occupational therapy perspective in a major trauma unit. Um, actually, I was trying to draft uh, uh, some of the, you know, like a paper here or some editorial or some reflective piece. It's just what I do every day, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> OT, I work as an occupational therapist and it's a leisure and it's a hobby. So occupational therapy is the occupation. OK, um, so I'm just trying to draft and I thought this is really big. And even me writing it down, I just felt that it would be better if we can have this conversation. Um, when you see, let's let's take a picture of, let's have a picture, an overview of what can happen, you know, whenever there is a major trauma. So obviously, major trauma would cater to... It will fit into a lot of specialities. So major trauma can be, so once, once a, for example, a child is brought in, following a road traffic accident. Okay. So they get to A&E. Mm-hmm. They get assessed there by A&E doctors. And depending on the severity of the case, what specialties will be needed. So they would probably call in orthopedic... Um, vascular Vascular surgeon. surgeons, neurosurgery. If, if there is a... a, a, a what do you call this? Um, Respiratory... Injury. Um, uh, red, plastics, plastics, respiratory. Yeah, that's a lot. lot that's of, a lot, isn't it? And it's always unpredictable, isn't mm. it? I think this is the first phase, you know. So major trauma. I think we're talking about physical trauma, isn't it? Yeah. And a physical, physical. major physical trauma would stem out of a major accident, and particularly the primary uh, accidents that's happening is road traffic mm-hmm. uh, incidents. I can see that perhaps a. Uh, sports injury mm-hmm. can happen here, you know, where you can have a bad uh, 
uh, problems, say head injury or a spinal cord injury or a big fall mm-hmm. from a high level, for example. So that these are all uh, like traumatic events that can cause uh, physical trauma. But it's not psychological trauma, no, isn't it? No, there's no psychological so trauma. It's, it... Down the line, they will have that kind of support. But okay. we're just talking about the um, acute major so, trauma, physical so, side of it. So I was thinking about it, and the first trauma is as soon as you get to A&E. And you were right, you know, I was just thinking about this. And when the person comes in, had a major incident, gets ambulanced in or taken in by an air ambulance mm-hmm. into A&E, and then that depends on who needs to be called, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I would assume that the service would have, you would have emergency doctors on standby every time. As to who needs to be called, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's vascular, because as soon as there is an injury, and this is not just pediatrics, isn't it? It could be their parents as well. You know, it could be a major, when it happens, there could be multiple people in the injury. So the first phase is really time specific. uh, Being, and, and I think what's important is the control the vascular injuries, make sure that there is a cardiac. Uh, I'm just anticipating what the doctors would do, isn't it? Anticipating um, uh, the stabilization of airway, cardiac, vascular capacities of the child. Um, they would control muscular and soft tissue injuries because that they're the ones that are causing bleeding, for example. Mm. There I would think... be a full team of them. There'll be nurses, everybody in there. Okay. And once they're stable from A&E, then they get to the wards or uh, ICU. It okay. depends on... Right. So that's the first phase, the, mm-hmm. uh, the A&E. Mm-hmm. And I am envisioning, you know, based on this, you know, if there is an occupational therapist in that particular service, yeah, an occupational therapist can be, although it's not actively involved, OTs are not actively involved, in here, um, once the OT in this major trauma is alerted of the case... You already know what's happening. You already know. You can already anticipate that patients would be coming. And in doing so, you can look at, you know, you, you know that, that there's there's a child that's coming. Um, and you can identify the age. You can identify the, you can anticipate. I think in this stage, this anti- anticipatory stage, mm-hmm. you know, from, from an occupational therapist. And... And there's an A&E, you heard about it, you can write down the case, you can be on standby. Because the first stage, once they've optimized the child or stabilized the child, okay, the next stage would be to go into critical care. Mm-hmm. And again, being part of that team, so I think on this anticipatory stage, as an occupational therapist, you need to have multiple skills, don't you? You need to have the skill of neurology, you need to have orthopedic skills, Mm. You need to have, um, well, I guess surgery, surgical skills, mm-hmm. isn't it? So it's a highly level, highly high clinical skill. You know, it's not just discharge planning that we're just going to talk about here. We are going to talk about anticipatory. We are going to talk about rehabilitation as well. So early identification mm-hmm. on the first phase. Say there's an incident, you get called, you have a bleep, you know the case, you can write it down on your caseload straight away. So without the OT on this phase, then what can happen is that the MDT somewhere down the line will have to make time to refer them over to you. 
Yeah, that's what's happening at the that's moment. That's what's happening. So they do everything else, and once the, the patient's stable, they go to ICU or, or the ward, but most of the time ICU. Even within my role at the moment, the capacity isn't there. We, I can't even get involved no. in the ICU. So we're down to the ward level yeah. when they are more stable and there's not much. It's just this discharge planning exactly. and, and well rehab. If, if identified as rehab potential is good, then we get involved in that level too. But it's not as, you know, timely. Mm-hmm. As I see it, it's, okay. yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I'm looking at it from what should happen. What is the best thing that can happen? You know, mm. if if we were there and if we're not worried about what we have now, if you're not worried about your, uh, the level of, you know, like capacity, mm. yes, that's a problem. There's mm. only one of you and you are the team. Yes, we cannot do that. But if there is potential investment in here, yeah, mm. and there is a team, there is a team of uh, like a uh, major trauma team. Mm-hmm. Whoever is leading this is already aware. Be alert. Somebody is here. Then you can go. You can already find out the name of the person, the age of the person. You can anticipate if they're 16 years old or five years old. You can, you can already have a picture of what's going to happen. And then you don't have to be involved in the A&E because that's a very busy place. Mm. But as soon as... As they go on the next stage, which is now the the recovery or intensive care stage, then an occupational therapist can start coming in as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. So ideally... Ideally, so this, you need to be involved in that I stage. I see, yeah. So it's a pediatric critical care. We, we, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, from major mm. trauma, critical care. It's not because of a critical care illness, but it's going to be another department technically mm. or but you know it's a major trauma so it means you'll have to be looking after your team let's let's mm. uh, let's imagine that you have a big team mm. uh, we'll have to be coming into that critical care stage and on that critical stage now occupational therapist then can now do physical assessment mm. isn't it when we have children from major referred from major trauma mm-hmm. I get involved in the ICU stage. You do. I try. That's the quickest. I prioritize that because that is essential. Unless I have more than one of them, which is going to be a a challenge. But that is what I am aiming for, to be there during the ICU stage. Okay. Especially when there are other um, uh, adults involved and get Mm. them in, uh, in, on time, really getting history and, and assessment process mm-hmm. starts there. Uh, so you get there. So you yeah. already have been doing it. I have, been, but yeah. not in a full swing. No. Okay. And it's really an effort. It's an effort. It is an effort. So what do you do? What do you do in 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 critical care? In critical, well, history taking. Okay. Yeah, initial interview with whoever is there. If parents are not involved, it's just the child there, then parents, of course. But do parents you call are the, also. Do you call the parents? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, no, we catch the parents there. Okay. Or whoever, there is a, a time for them to visit. Okay. So parents or any relatives or anybody next of kin. So we try and get in contact with them. If par- no parents are there, we start our assessment. Uh-huh. I sometimes join up with the other therapists, or if I'm on my own, I just see the child on my own. Okay. Um, 
was useful to joint work because I'm on my own. Uh-huh. It's no, it's just um, easier sometimes if you need to move and handle a child. Uh-huh. Having some second hand, pair of hands would be really good. Okay. Um, if it's just assessments, and I prefer to be on my own. Mm-hmm. If I'm just assessing or, or talking to parents and stuff, then I, I go in there and also speak to the attending nurse. So it, it gives you a lot of information just doing that. Mm-hmm. You, I don't actively need to move the child because they'll be all in tubes and everything. Uh-huh. But at least I know what I need to do next okay. and anticipate and plan when they move down to the ward. Okay. And also look into referring to community services, looking at um, uh, community support. So, you, mm. I, so you're already there. Mm-hmm. And what you've been doing in critical care is that you are already creating a picture mm-hmm. of who this child is, what the child was doing. Yeah. And then establishing you, pre-functional. Pre-functional, because that's pre, really pre, essential. Pre. <laughs> Is it pre-functional? No, pre... Yes, pre, yeah, pre pre-admission, function, yeah, pre-admission, pre-admission function. function. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. So you do that. Mm-hmm. And I think as a therapist, people are forgetting that the interview and knowing who the person is, is really very important, isn't that it? That is the key. That's imp- that, how do you know what to do? Mm. Or how do you know how to facilitate anything if you don't know what they're doing before this happened? Because yeah. it's a different picture. Yeah. Seeing them there with all the tubes and all the lines. Yeah. It's it's different. So that's what you do. You know, you mm. establish the baseline because that will be your target for uh, setting the goals. And mm-hmm. not just in critical care, but you're setting the goals. You have an overview of the child's, where the child's going to go or what the pathway will mm. be from critical care down to the ward, down to the community or down to another service or another hospital if they need to be transferred, isn't it? Mm. So there is one of you, and that's the benefit, isn't it? I mean, not the benefit of you just being on your own. I mean, the benefit of having an OT there is whenever there are trauma services, you can have early assessment, early case planning. Mm -hmm. You can have an overview of the pathway Mm -hmm. in terms of the continuum of service. Mm -hmm. And... uh, so what are, do you do some intervention? Do you do splinting? Oh, yeah, that's another one. So um, a lot of times referrals come in for upper limb assessment and splinting. Yeah. Um, in the we, we do that. I can do that in the ICU. Okay, so you mm. do the splintings. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask <clears throat> you what kind of splints do you, um, do you provide or do you make? Well, usually upper limbs. I don't touch the lower limbs. You it's don't? upper limb, upper limb uh, splinting. I can make resting hand splints. It's just to maintain the tendon length, and especially when they're uh, after major trauma, they are in a, a very awkward position. So it's just getting the hand in a good place, uh-huh. in a good position, so to maximize function once they regain consciousness or they regain. Um, the, the normal tone again. Okay. So tone, it mm. means these children have had some head injury. Yeah. An element of a head injury, isn't it? Mm. So you do some splintings, and that, I think that's very important, isn't it? Mm. Because, uh, uh, wow, that's, that's amazing. I'm actually quite jealous. Um, it's hard to do it in the ICU because with all the tubes and everything and the space constraint, that's that's a big challenge. Uh-huh. So I try not to if I can avoid it. But if it's really important, then 
I would do it. You would do it.、Mm. Okay, so that is, so you would do that. Do you do、uh, like positioning and seating in ICU? Yes, if they,、uh, it's if they're ready to sit. Okay. If we are looking into positioning and and moving,、uh, moving from lying to seating, we try to use the bed or、uh-huh. the cot initially just to increase the the recline slowly, slowly getting them to more upright position. Um, we also use whatever is available. You need to be creative. Whatever is available in the ICU, you use up rolled blankets, pillows, everything to just if if they're in a in an extensor tone, you want to break that extensor tone. So you need to you know use the blankets to do it to move them into side lying or or bend the legs, bend the hips, bend、yeah. the arms.、Um, now once they're ready for for seating. Then yeah, we I look into a, a supportive seating option,、uh, an activity chair usually because I prefer an activity chair rather than a comfort. The two different types of seating,、okay. comfortable seating, which is your type of a recliner type thing. You just lie down. It's more like in a bed, but you know more kind、but、of prime position.、Recline. Activity chairs would have more support, but you are in a your your core is supported so that you can. Be encouraged to use your hands better. So basically, your feet supported, hips supported, knees supported, upper body is supported, and the head is supported, and all in midline and kind of thing. So it gives you that、um, optimized position, so you can engage.、Okay. You can engage with your environment and with with. And you do this in critical care or when they go to the ward. You can again. It depends on your assessment. How ready are they? Is the, is this important to do now?、Mm-hmm. Because if it's if it can if if the child is usually once they're in ICU and and they're still not stable enough to go down the ward yet in your assessment this to to increase their engagement it will be important to start doing this positioning now、mm. then I would do that. Okay. We, so you've done it. You've done、yeah. some wheelchair、uh, and seating. Yeah. Now when I you 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 mentioned earlier on about about.、Uh, The um, uh, you know positioning that you've done. Have you ever influenced the positioning to a point that the nurses were educated and trained? Usually, I won't take all the credit for this. Sometimes when I do that, I joined physio. I joined with the physio. Okay. And between the two of us, because I said I'm on my own, and it's nice to do positioning, especially with bigger children. With another person,、mm-hmm. so between the two of us, nurses in the ICU, pediatric nurses in ICU are amazing.、Okay. They're really involved.、Okay. So they would sometimes join me, if not the physios, they will join me, and we do that experimenting, looking at positioning, and then we take pictures. Okay. On 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 our um. On your digital, digital platform, platform devices, yeah. yeah. And、uh, and we put that on the file. You do, so people so, can see it. That's amazing. Yeah. So in critical care, this is amazing. So you you're on di- digital. You have a digital platform where you have a smartphone that you can.、Uh, there are many names out there. So, you know, there's there's MetaVisions,、uh, there's Epic, there is、uh, I, can, I guess there's a few. Uh, hospital that is using that. There are also Cernas. There is、uh, eCare. There's 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 lots of、uh, other digital platforms. But what I find interesting is that you have a digital a smartphone that you can use, take a picture, 
and then upload it in the digital system. Mm-hmm. So this means that communication is passed on much better between clinicians. So that's good. And then, so some of the input that you can do, if it is necessary and if it is at some point uh, essential, that you think it is essential and vital, you can arrange for specialized seats or chairs that is uh, promoting activities for children mm-hmm. in critical care. You can, as I said, you can uh. if if resources will allow you. Again, this is a challenge that most services face. Okay. Um, but if you have that capacity or you have that um, what resource, then use it. Okay. Because it's really I'm, important. I'm always just looking at the what should happen, you know, because most of the time, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time as therapists, we're always adapting to mm. having no resources. Mm. Uh, but really, the ideal thing is, you're right. So given the opportunity and there are resources and mm. should there be investment mm-hmm. in the area, this you would not have, uh, you would not think twice on this, won't no. you? No, it's... You'll just go straight in, provide that early involvement, early seating, mm. so that it will facilitate an early rehabilitation yes. for these children. Mm-hmm. And it's a chair that is not comfort chair, it's an activity, it's an chair. activity chair. And as you said, what I think is very important, there are two types of chair, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the comfort chair, which are usually provided by nursing staff, mm-hmm. and because, you you know, obviously nurses, and they wanted patients to be comfortable. And it's also just for change in position. And so change in position, if, it depends depends on what your goals what your goals are so if your goal is to just transfer from a bed to a chair and you just want the person to be comfortable then in a different position in a sitting position then the, the comfort, comfort chairs, chairs are, are okay so yeah. that's why you have them in 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 the wards the adult wards on your uh-huh. recliner chair or something uh-huh. but if your purpose is to be able to engage to be able to to um recognize your environment to just be upright and and be more supported in that position so that the the child or patient is ready for function Mm -hmm. so imagine what you can do in a supported seating position your hands are free you don't need to think about your balance you don't need to wobble your legs are not dangling your your feet's flat you you can feel yourself there's proprioception there Mm -hmm. there is there is that security internal security and then what can you do? All you need to do is to pay attention to your surrounding and use your hands. Wow. So wow. that's the purpose of an activity chair. So given that choice, if you are there and if people invest on occupational therapy mm-hmm. in in a major trauma, mm-hmm. you would be involved more in critical care mm-hmm particularly with major trauma patients, because again, they would have head injury, they probably are likely to have spinal cord injury or major fractures, but you can be there early, you can get them engaging early. Mm -hmm. And that means it's an early restorative intervention, isn't Mm -hmm. it? You Mm -hmm. know, for these children. Mm -hmm. So without you, they're just recovering, but there is no facilitation of enhanced recovery. There's no... There's recovery, but it's mm-hmm. not enhanced. Mm-hmm. And it's not early enhanced, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's not early enhanced recovery. Uh, everybody does. They do recover, but mm-hmm. it's not enhanced. Mm-hmm. And, and the optimum service is to give the best service to, to these population, to the children mm-hmm. who's had this. And you can do the splinting as early as possible, which means... 
if you do the splinting, you're maintaining the integrity of the hands mm -hmm. and the soft tissue length. Mm -hmm. And when you're maintaining that soft tissue length, it means that there will be less of a disability in the future because those splintings are preventative intervention and maintenance, maintenance. isn't it? Reduced, yeah, you reduce the uh, disability in the future and contracture, which may impact on the intervention they need to receive in the long term. Okay. Like surgery, they don't need surgery, they won't need that, or they won't need you know other things. Wow. By just the maintain, maintaining them wow. at an early stage. So that early stage of splinting, and what you can do, this is exciting. I'm really excited. So you do that. People just don't see it. They just see it as a splint. Mm -hmm. But in fact, this splint will maintain the hand. If the hand is maintained in a good position, it won't be contracted. They would not need to see a surgeon to release these tendons in the future. They don't need to have active Botoxing, I guess. And whatever, it limits the disability of the person, which means they can potentially work in the future, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. And then they work in the future, they pay a tax. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Now, it's just, just uh, ad advanced, uh, you know, uh, just advanced uh, case. Uh, what's the word? Overview or, or uh, advanced visualization of mm -hmm. anticipation of what can happen. Yeah. So that's critical care. Uh, you, I would imagine that... so. You are encouraging enhanced engagement. That's what you That's have been doing. Term. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll write that down. Enhanced engagement. Enhanced engagement. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in a case where you're not worried about resistance, just, just took time, went in to see the child, and have had an actual session of of engaging with, with the child? Have you done that in Crete? Yeah. Yeah? In the ICU. Um Recently, I had a, a child with GBS. Gillian, at, Gillian, uh, how, do you, how do you pronounce that? Guillain-Barre syndrome? I heard it as Guillain-Barre syndrome. Guillain-Barre, oh, right. So, GBS. Okay. okay. At three-year-old, at three. Okay. A very early uh, uh, onset, uh -huh. GBS. So, it's neurological, flu. the generalized weakness. Mm -hmm. Because of a flu. And she was still at... I see you when I first saw her, uh -huh. and she she's very weak, generally very very weak. Uh -huh. we, so I joined with physio. We were able to get her out of the bed to a chair, mm -hmm. and once she sat in the chair, um, she was left with me. Yeah. So I'm on my own with her in the chair, and looking at the chair, it's it's uh, it's not really a, an activity chair. So I adapted whatever I have in the... You grab pillows, you grab pillows, you grab or towels. Or towels or a box or something. A box, yes. Just to get the feet flat and, and get her to um, put pressure on, on... We just keep the feet stable, basically. Uh -huh. And I got out some um, toys that she likes. She likes Sonic, so we got Sonic and Paw Patrol and all those toys. And, uh -huh. and we started playing together. And luckily, she was, she was very, very... Okay. She's very engaged. So you um, got her to engage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, although she was very weak and she was shaking, and she, uh, we, we, we had a really good session. Mm -hmm. My, she got fatigued quickly, but was the par were the parents there? Yeah, parents were there, and they were happy to see her like that. They said it's the first time they've seen her since she was very unwell, oh. doing something, and we 
draw some pictures together. I don't know how we did it, but she was just happy to sit and, and do something. And she used her hands. It, it wasn't the best, you know, creation. And how was her face? Did you see her face? How, how did she react to it? She was very happy. You see? She was That's very amazing, happy. isn't it? She was, uh, you know, making jokes. Well, although she, you can see that she was tired. She just got tired so easily. But so slurry she speech? Would, yeah, she was a bit slur. She won't talk much, but she was smiling. And then she would um, go on to the, uh, what do you call it, like, uh, recline herself yeah. and, and rest for a bit and then come back again. She would. So that was a, yeah, that's very th- therapeutic looking at that way because she is already trying to engage her core doing that. That's very nice. Yeah, so that's a therapy on its own. Yeah. Just sitting her there and then moving up and down from the... So, when you see patients like that, you just want to stay with them the whole the whole day. The whole day. Okay. But you're also limited. She's limited. But I think that was one of my best sessions in the ICU environment. Okay. Um, so that's just one, and that's the most recent. But okay. we had few before that. Great. That's actually. So there good. you go, guys. For those of you who are listening, you can just see. And this is us. We're just talking about ICU, uh, occupational therapy in ICU. Uh, but an ICU came into discussion because of a, our exploration of what we can do in major trauma. <laughs> so um, the, the next question that I do not know is like how many, uh, um, how many major trauma cases are there mm, at a, a given point in um, a week? I don't know about the week, but the recent data we got from the lead. Okay, yeah. From the lead is, I think, about 170 in a year. 170 in a year. Divide that in in, in, in 10 months. So in 10 months, yeah. It it can be exact, but it's about more than 100. So so it's rough, rough draft of the idea. So if you have 170 in a year, say in 10 months, that's an average of 17 cases in a month that doesn't come and go very quickly. Isn't it? Because mm. they are, they would stay for, how long would they stay for? Oh, weeks sometimes. Depends yeah. on the severity. If they have so many um, specialties involved and they need to be cleared from all of them, orthopedic, um, neuro. Mm-hmm. Uh, the longest I think we've had, when I, since I started there, yeah, it's, it's not even a year that I've been there. Um, three, four weeks. Okay. So you have three or four weeks of stay mm. in the critical care facility. And not, that's, that's... Not, not just in the critical care. They uh-huh. move to the ward. Okay. So once they're stable, critical care alone, maybe a week. Okay. Okay. Mm. So it, it, it just means that if people are staying in critical care for a week, it just means that they, uh, the, the, the patients have, uh, were able to achieve that hemodynamically. They're, they're stable mm. internally, mm. which means that they get into the ward afterwards, yes, isn't it? Yeah. And then you follow them up in the ward. Yes. So yeah. it's a smooth... So if you're there, then you don't need... People do not need to make referrals then, isn't it? From critical care to the <laughs> ward, isn't it? I, I, they just stay in my case. Load. Exactly. So it, I'm on we, my own. Yeah. <laughs> imagine the amount of time that mm. you would be saving, you know, mm. the, the nurses. So you're saving that... Uh, you know, like uh, it's not unnecessary, but the extra work that, that the therapist will have to do, isn't it? Mm. So one, 
is being involved in er so you can be involved early you can facilitate early engagement of children you can do some preventative measures such as splinting and seating you can facilitate encouragement and recovery through advanced seating skills mm -hmm. and then you can stimulate them you can get a person to do some some uh, um, activity you can stimulate them by uh, uh, early engagement and then after the critical care they go to the ward once they go to the ward uh, you being involved as occupational therapist being part of the major trauma team it just means that the team can be comfortable and uh, be confident that their patients are well looked after mm -hmm. there's nothing that's being missed mm -hmm. isn't it and then you continue on with their therapy early therapy Mm -hmm. which is early engagement and it is in the ward mm -hmm. area, isn't in it? In the ward, this is where you start to really move towards planning to go. Okay. And although rehab is still there and it doesn't become... It, it is a priority, but it's also more about getting everything ready. Okay. And, and, and assessing daily how... Where is the best place for this child to go? Okay. Are we go heading for home? Are we ho going for further rehab? Uh -huh. So that's where you start planning all of these things. Mm. But of course, rehab is still a key to this. But as I said, with my current capacity, it's, it's, it becomes a lesser priority i understand now going back to this uh, it's it's a regular it's an ongoing dilemma and a problem isn't it mm. i think because there's few occupational therapists around your input then goes into the end stage which is where do we go let's mm. plan mm. the transition isn't mm. it but it's the big but if for example there are people allocated to this mm -hmm. will you be able to provide Intensive rehab. Oh, daily rehab. Daily rehab, yeah, guys! Wow. You need to. I think these children deserve daily rehab. Wow. And I would, I would go for that. Yeah, and it's. Yeah. And I think daily rehab is is amazing, and it's not just one hour, two hours, because once they've done the medications, mm. and the physiotherapist say have seen them for a good few minutes, thirty five, forty five an hour. Mm. Okay, majority of the time is the time to engage and do something. And also, when you say daily rehab, you're not just doing rehab, you know, like a, a typical clinical rehab session. Mm -hmm. You're actually starting to establish routine mm -hmm. for the child. Yes. So what would they normally do at home? Uh -huh. Although in the hospital environment, it's difficult, but you start to normalize yeah. as, as much as you can. So you... Try and incorporate a program. At that one, I wasn't. I'm not successful, but that's. It's, um, it's a goal. It's something you it want to do. It would have been great to start okay. a, a routine for them, yes. daily routine, a program that is there, and then therapists can sign up to it to say this is um, this is the time we can come on a daily basis. Uh -huh. Physios at one, speech at two, or whatever, and uh -huh. OT maybe at nine. You know? uh -huh. Yeah, doing that timetable, and then there's also the. The education team that can mm -hmm. come, it depends on what age the child is, say, okay. usually school age, there is a teacher that can come. So you can start normalizing the day for the child. There you go. And this is amazing because uh, as I'm hearing from you, and this is for all of us listeners here, from an occupational therapist's perspective, 
the daily rehab is engagement. Mm-hmm. So routine mm-hmm. would be the goal of occupational therapy oh, yeah. from waking up into sitting down, mm-hmm. into going into school or uh, uh, attending school-based mm-hmm. lessons, doing some iPad sessions or some leisure gaming stuff. This is the rehabilitation concept mm-hmm. of occupational therapy, yes. isn't it? And for those children who also in the toileting stage, that you can look into suitable toileting equipment for them mm-hmm. in the ward. That would be amazing if we can have something that is really child appropriate, like a potty chair in wow. the ward. Because if previous is the previous function they are already independently toileting. Oh. Then they come in with, with all these um, problems. Then you can start working towards that goal oh. with the parents about restarting toileting. And and I that has a uh, usually a good take with parents parents in, would always want that goal yes. in toileting to be a but, priority, yeah, priority isn't it? Yes. i know because they go back to school after this yeah. and once you're in school you don't want to be wearing a nappy of course mm. and 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 you know I, i'd like to share with you some information i'm 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 almost known by some people that know me professionally as the uh, toilet hygiene king, <laughs> you know, because that's the one thing that I always, I always priority and I always ask, uh, you know, whether a person can actually engage in their own toilet hygiene. Mm. That's it. I I have this saying. I call it my bum, my business. <laughs> Is it? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, so the rehab that you would be doing. Okay, and it's just me. I'm just uh, you know like like putting an, an an emphasis on on this, and I'm reassuring you that whatever it is that you're doing, that will encompass throughout the length of the day, the routines and habits, things like that. This is the rehabilitation concept of occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. This is occupational therapy, mm-hmm. which means you don't necessarily have to be with the patient for just one hour. You can be there as part until the routine is established. Because it's anything that you do, anything that occupies your time, it's occupational therapy. Isn't Correct. It? And it's uh, from the very from the very start of the day. So having a program is actually occupational therapy. But at the moment, who's doing that? Oh <laughs> my god! There, I think uh, there are some like this. The um, the school team would do that sometimes, and it, if the child is in an educable stage. Um, but not all gets that service, which I think will be a key. Yes. If an OT is there. Yes. The so early beginning. engagement, quality service. Oh, come on, guys. This is this is occupational therapy, isn't mm-hmm. it? This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And the way you're saying this now, uh, Wang, you know, it, it, it feels like I know we're trying to be professional here. It feels like a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm beginning to have a crush on you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how is an occupational therapist is faced with another <laughs> occupational therapist who I am admiring professionally, really, because the concept is there. You're just saying all the most beautiful words that people should be hearing about. Okay, going back. Okay, let's stay on the topic. Uh, say, if you are in the ward, in the absence of OT in the ward, then there is uh, less chance of, well... Well, not everyone gets a program uh, or a routine. Although I am not. Although there are other professionals who can do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, said the education team or sometimes the speech and language team. 
because they, they do the um, mouth hygiene, the speech and language, so sometimes they just put in a, a timetable and we put our um, availability there. Mm-hmm. So the problem with being understaffed, as, you know, you can't, always mm-hmm. pinpoint a time when you can go which is yes. a shame because yeah, before you're supposed to be starting this as an ot you should uh-huh. be starting this and yet you can't even give a time when I you know. can come just i i feel bad yeah. whenever i'm faced with that kind of a challenge because i, I don't feel effective enough uh-huh. It's yeah. like uh, being in a relationship, isn't it? Mm. You have to be there early. I think occupational therapists are forgetting this. Occupational therapists need to be in early so that you can set the routines mm-hmm. and habits mm-hmm. because all these routines and habits and the things that you do every day are all occupation. What's mm-hmm. happening now is because there is no investment to the depo- to the, the, the service mm-hmm. or nobody even knows what it is or there's no advocate for occupational therapy. We get called in every now and again. So the big part mm-hmm. of the day is actually there's there's no case managers to, to these things, although it happens, it happens naturally. But this is the core concept. This mm-hmm. is a core domain of occupational mm-hmm. therapy. And I think also the selling point there is as well, the sooner you establish routine, the sooner you normalize the, the daily life of the patient, the sooner they would want to go home and yeah. they would be ready to go home. Yeah. Emotionally and physically, of course, doctors, that's, that's more the medical side of things. Once they're medically stable, there won't be a dilemma of, I can't go home yet. Of course. You know, because you've already started that routine. And this is what exactly what I would do at home, you know. May not be, ex- I mean, sorry, may not be exactly the same because it's a hospital environment. But the routine has start started, yeah, and you they get more confident. It doesn't to go come home. as a surprise. No. So when the doctors mm. say, you know, medically you're stable. good to go, yeah, and then the parents and the child, if the child can speak and communicate, mm-hmm. they start panicking. It's like, how are uh, we doing this? Yeah. Okay, and you haven't mm. done anything yet because the house is not prepared. <laughs> the environment is not ready. Mm. It's a surprise, isn't it? Yeah. So I think if you are there in the ward, one of the things that can happen is that you can early have an early assessment of the environment. Yeah. The discharge environment. That, that happens from from the very beginning. Exactly. So you assess, you already establish what they have at home, what kind of because you you link in with your colleagues as well to say, oh, they have stairs, the bedrooms upstairs. So what do you think? Maybe down the line, do you think they'll be able to uh, climb stairs? Okay. Because if not, we can start looking into downstairs living and stuff like that. So there's already that collaboration between the therapists, um, what they're going to aim for and what we're planning alongside that. So you're being having an occupational therapist there, it gets a, a, a better rehab goal setting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Early rehab goal setting, more targeted goal setting, mm-hmm. more specific goal setting, mm-hmm. and more uh, realistic goal setting. So mm-hmm. early collaboration. So your rehabilitation is is is, is more, uh, what's the word? Um, um, I, 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 you know, I, I lack the word. Updated, current, relevant. Relevant, more yeah. relevant. More relevant uh, go, uh, rehab planning mm-hmm. because you have already 
had a picture, that's what you would be doing as mm-hmm. occupational therapists. So if there are more occupational therapists in trauma, mm-hmm. you can have more relevant uh, rehab planning because you would have part of the OT assessment is having a thorough assessment mm-hmm. of the home environment. Mm-hmm. And it's not just whether the bedroom is upstairs or downstairs. Mm-hmm. What are the challenges? Because it's not just the environment that you would be assessing. Mm-hmm. You're also assessing the the psychosocial demands mm-hmm. and the pressure from the parents, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know, what are the challenges that, that, that the parents are putting into the situation? Mm-hmm. You know, they, are they at work? Do they have siblings? Mm-hmm. Are they in so school? So that's all established in the interview. In the interview, in the the interview yeah. Yes. So having more occupational therapists, having more investment in occupational therapists, we are making sure that the rehabilitation plan and the goals are, uh, what was my word again? Relevant. It's relevant, mm-hmm. yeah, and specific and targeted. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you do that. Have you, uh, I'll just pause a bit now. Have you ever discharged a person straight home? after a major trauma, mm-hmm. and then they're in the ward, do you get to discharge them home? Yes. You yeah. have? Yeah, we have. Because once they stay in the hospital, of course, for the until they're medically fit. But as I said, from the very beginning, you're already planning what's best for this person, for this mm. young person. And if, is it, Depending on the outcome of your assessment, the home environment is it suitable. So there are the things that you need to, to be sure. Is, su- is the environment suitable? Um, and if you say yes, yeah, that's fine. Does, does this need further rehab outside home? Um, that's always the, the that's always like the dilemma of sending home if they need further rehab, because community cannot always provide intensive rehab, but. Sometimes, because of their length of stay in the ward, they're getting lots of input from the physios. And, of course, from us, <laughs> bits of us, mm-hmm. um, they become ready. So some of them become ready to go home okay. instead of going somewhere else. Okay. So, and, but that includes, having said that, that's also very tricky because you, you get to uh, um, link in and collaborate with the community services the community therapists, they're the key to this. Okay. Because they need to make sure... I, could, I couldn't always do an access visit, especially okay. if they're out of county. Yeah. Um, so they would do the legwork. They would come out, do the assessment, and feed back to you. Mm-hmm. This is the environment. This mm-hmm. is what we're, what, what's the current situation. Do they need a wheelchair? Can they walk? Can they do steps? You know, all those things. So you pass on that to physios. What do you think about stairs? Uh, mm-hmm. And you do the transfer. You... you, you it's a big kind of um, collaboration, collaboration uh-huh. between so community and, and acute therapists. So if you're not there, mm-hmm. if they don't invest on occupational therapist, mm. you leave them to talk to the community. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good so, luck yes. in understanding and, and the language of going home, yes, isn't it? Yeah. But if, if they invest on you, it really saves them not just time, but headache. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? It mm-hmm. saves them headache, but they should be thanking you. Yes, this is now, this is why I'm involved now with this major trauma business case, because they understand the role of occupational therapy there. 
can they can as I said you can you can compare between when we're there and when we're not. Okay. You can see the difference. I it's know. like now I'm currently on leave from and, work, and the unmet needs are just picking up. Yeah, and and what I understand is this because it's a major trauma, mm. it technically would fall on the quaternary service. It is a specialist service because not every hospital. There's not a lot of hospital in the region or in every region there's only few trauma centers mm -hmm. around the country mm -hmm. so that would be like in the likes of a spinal cord specific spinal cord injury pay, uh, uh, facility like say Sheffield Hospital or uh, Great Mandeville Stoke, Stoke, Stoke Mandeville, Mandeville which is a spinal cord mm. injury as well mm. or some specialist service in Great Ormond Street for example if there are any so transplant for pediatrics would be in Great Ormond Street mm. uh, some surgical hospitals uh, cardiorespiratory hospitals say like uh, you know like uh, uh, Brompton Hospital, mm. uh, Harefield or Papworth Hospital. Mm. Um, so this major trauma, again, so you're in a position where you would be looking after cross-county cases. Yes. It's not specific to the region. It's it's out, out of county as well. Yeah. Out of county, <clears throat> which means if you have to get a person home, you, I would imagine getting the necessary equipment takes some time. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of phone calls. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of begging. Can you please order this? I don't have a pin to order the equipment Lots for this. Lots of MDT planning. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Meetings. Lots of meetings. Okay. Uh, with pediatric meetings, it's a lot of professional. There's a lot of professionals involved. Yeah. It's always like a major meeting happening when, you, when you're doing a discharge planning meeting mm -hmm. for pediatrics. And... It's a, a lot of time dedicated to it. So again, that's one of the things that I have to prioritize uh -huh. because of the necessity to get them home as safe as possible and okay. as timely as possible. But that takes up a lot of time yeah. in meetings. And, and people don't know that you're doing this yeah, because they don't see you in the ward. They think there's not, not a lot around. of occupational therapists. But what you don't know, what they do not know, is that behind the scenes, mm. you are you are having to negotiate with a lot of MDTs in the county, mm -hmm. out of the county. What do you have? What kind of equipment In varying counties. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, wow. Mm. Oh, that's all I can say. Wow. Because especially as well, pediatric equipments, they're not... Uh, they're very specialized sometimes, mm. and they're various sizes, of course. Mm -hmm. What uh, age group are you looking at? And it, it, not all counties have the same types of equipment. Mm -hmm. So you almost have to have that special specialist knowledge of equipment mm -hmm. available. Yeah. Um, similar, yeah. but different. Jeez. Kind of thing. See, so yeah. I would, you know, the... Oh my goodness, whoever is holds the budget, guys, whoever holds the budget for this hospital, I really am hoping that you would pay attention to this because I think the key... So if you're not there, the discharge, the length of stay would be even be more longer. Um, we have a discharge planning mm -hmm. uh, nurse, which is, she's amazing. Um, but between the two of us, we coordinate really well. See? So that's... That with, with, yeah. That's because you are coordinating. 
But I, all that, what I'm saying is to have an occupational therapist and to invest in occupational therapy, mm-hmm. it just means that you are contributing a lot mm-hmm. to a safe discharge, mm-hmm. to a fast discharge, mm-hmm. to a suitable discharge. Because I believe that if you see that the person is not safe to go home, mm-hmm. you have that difficult position where you have to put your you know your foot on the ground is that what you foot down foot down mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you have mm-hmm. to put your foot down mm-hmm. to say nope not home get this person to a rehab facility yes okay <laughs> so and that's even yes. more difficult as well mm-hmm. isn't it because mm-hmm. you're having to contend with against the popular professions like physiotherapists i would imagine mm-hmm. uh when they say no go to community rehab you know but they are pediatrics for example and they are uh you know there it's a head injury so it means it's a restorative intervention so there's more time for them to recover and you would you would imagine i would imagine that you'd want them to go to a, a specialist neuro rehab facility mm. wow and also i would listen to the community therapists as well when they say no the, the home isn't suitable at all yeah and and then but then you in your in your um within the mdt some people were saying yeah they can be discharged home they're they're physically okay now to go back home but then the community team says even with this kind of equipment it's still not safe then you need to be able to communicate that to the team Mm -hmm. that this is going to be an an unsafe discharge right um if we send this this person home so So what's our option so we kind of discuss that option so that's when we hold a complex discharge planning meeting to to find out the best solution to this safe discharge uh, to this complex discharge hmm. so mm-hmm. you're like the eyes and ears in the, in the outside mm-hmm. and the eyes and ears inside, inside. the hospital mm-hmm. okay and uh, wow that's all i can say you know I I I hope you have a a good uh, emotional and psycho psychological support because all of this hard work for you is is really potentially causing <laughs> some kind of a psychological work trauma. It is a lot of hard work. Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to not get overwhelmed by okay. it. I take it day by day and okay. and looking at yeah, there's always a. Was that a light at the end of the tunnel? <laughs> There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. <laughs> a cliche, but it's uh, it's true. That's all you can do. You know, wait, hope that someday there'll be better funding, and and eventually grow up a, a team of uh, occupational therapists, okay. and and that's likely to happen. Okay. I'm positive. Okay, I I am as well. I am very hopeful as well, um, because I I think it's, so. Major trauma. I think it does it end in in the ward uh because i think no so this is this is a long-term plan so i have noted down as well because especially children they once they come out of the hospital um depending on some a lot of them would have neurological conditions and everything after a major trauma so you also support going back to normal routine community and in or going back to school so that's that is something that you kind of follow through. Would you? Yeah. Even if you're working in the hospital? Well, we follow that through with the community therapist. So proper handover. Because once they're stable enough, you do your rehab, don't you? Yes. So they, whilst they're, they are with you, you look at um, pre, uh, 
what's this called school record prerequisite kind of function so if you if they're writing if they're able to read they're able to engage or hmm. type whatever you do that kind of assessment already and you you feed that back to the a community therapist mm-hmm. this is what's needed and then they look into and now you you ask them about um looking into schooling going back to school return to school and stuff and and what kind of support they'll need mm-hmm. so that happens during while they're still in hospital sometimes okay, okay. so you almost kind of easing them okay. in back to that kind of environment even while they're still in hospital so you are preparing them mm. at the end of the day so with a major trauma i guess that's the word and a part of the discharge planning is that you are preparing them where, where, where if they have to go home then you prepare the home environment you do all the necessary visits you do all the necessary meetings between the mdts you find the right team uh, that will support the person uh, in a major from a major trauma perspective uh, it's typically the therapy um, but what I was uh, asking uh, or trying to zero in on is what I wanted to clarify is um, uh, once they're discharged from the hospital yeah mm-hmm. say say they're discharged from the hospital mm-hmm. and you have passed them on to the community care oh. you, you don't you, they don't call you again, don't they? Oh no! Unless they want to thank you. No, unless or they, they have other other questions or complaints. Mm. You know, then that's the only time mm. when they come back. Mm. Okay, okay. So I, I I think if if things are done properly, mm. then the, the the chances of having to deal with the case again is 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 quite uh, small you know the chances are small unless they want to come back and say thank you again <laughs> yeah. or they want to come back and complain about something but that mm. doesn't normally happen so unless they get readmitted unless they get readmitted but this time it's no longer a major trauma mm. they would be readmitted for uh, something else, something else. Mm. and if they're local then yes they will be readmitted onto uh, the hospital where you're working, but mm-hmm. if they are from a different county, then their first line of admission would be their local district general hospital, mm. isn't it? So, um, I think I think that's a very healthy conversation. This is this is a nice uh, riot conversation. Do you think? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Is it fun? Yeah. If I ask you again, would you come back to <laughs> to to join us again in this uh, uh, in this conversation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's wonderful. Okay. Um, let me just give some some quick summary. So we uh, started looking at occupational therapy in and having occupational therapy in major trauma in pediatrics. So we looked at the possibility of an early identification if there's an OT. In A&E, uh, then they would know who the patients are at the onset, and then you can anticipate and plan it, and then people don't have to make any referrals to occupational therapy anymore uh, because it is part of the team, which means anybody. So if an OT is admitted to that team, or if an OT is part of that team, you don't necessarily need assessment or referrals, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. all of that team's patients will technically be, you know, be the 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 major trauma team exactly Mm -hmm. isn't it so that's that so it really saves time on that side and then an early 
recovery and an enhanced recovery is uh, will take place and some preventative interventions in critical care and you can start working early and enhance that stimulation as early as possible in critical care and once the person is in the ward you can start having that rehabilitation and then occupational therapists will be able to identify and provide some smooth transitory service uh, to facilitate uh, communication or between the, the hospital unit and then the community, the receiving services. And you would make some referrals as well to the appropriate uh, rehab facilities, isn't it? Um, okay, that's... I think that's 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 an uh, uh, in a nutshell. That's that's what we have t uh, uh, spoken about. Okay. Wow. I I'd say this is uh, you know this is a very very exciting conversation. It's a very exciting riot conversation, and I would consider it to be a relevant information involving occupational therapy. Uh, I would like to thank our guest today. Uh, her name is Wang, and she is an occupational therapist. I am Hao. I am also an occupational therapist. Um, and uh, right, just remember, guys, anything you do matters and has an outcome. Until next time, bye.